Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Welcome and happy holidays to everyone. The Thinking Practitioner Podcast is supported by ABMP, the Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package, including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, online scheduling, and payments with PocketSuite, and much more. ABMP CE Courses podcast and Massage and Body Work magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including my column and your regular offerings to Whitney. Thinking practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com slash thinking. How's it going there, Whitney? It's going pretty well. It is cold here in central Oregon. We were down in single digits tonight, uh, this evening. And, My goodness. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I've been uh, cold and kind of a wet, wet season so far. We've had a fair amount of snow and everything early in this year. So um, we hear that we're going to get that with this El Nino cycle or whatever it is, whichever cycle we're on these days. We're psychically wet where you are. We're psychically dry, but also cold. Yeah, we're getting below zero tonight, they say. Yeah, so uh, we blew it all in your direction. So it's going to warm up here a little bit. I'll let you all have it for a little while. <laughs> well, it's nice to have this time with you. Nice to catch up and look back on our third season. Yes, we... this is our retrospective episode here. Yeah, this has turned into a kind of tradition where we go back and share some of the highlights and key features and rather than go through every single one of the, what was it, 30 or so episodes this last season, uh, we're going to give our, our greatest hits, our favorites, our highlights, perhaps. Yeah. And then uh, some other things as well. Yeah, that sounds good. So, And also, we're going to just share a little bit about, uh, you had some interesting stats and things about the podcast and, and mm. the reach and the sharing of listenership there. What did we learn this year about well, where we are? We're growing. I, you know, I went and looked at that just to keep be accountable to our sponsors because they want to reach a bunch of people. So I looked up the stats and we grew like a third. We're thirty three percent up in just the last year in terms of listeners downloads, nice. and we have over thirty countries where there are more than a hundred listeners. The law, the list of countries was really really long, but uh, the countries where there's at least a hundred people, there were thirty of those countries. Wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Seventy-five percent yeah. of those are here in the USA, mm -hmm. but that leaves a lot of folks all over the world that are yeah. tuning. So, hello to all of you out there, and thank you for listening. I hope, hope we're delivering some things that are uh, interesting to your auditory palate, and we'll continue to try to do that again some more next year as well. Yeah, and we're, so we're doing something that's causing you to tell people about it or tune back in. So I'm glad about that. I mean, looking back over the guest list, we had some pretty high-profile powerhouse guests and some really interesting topics. Uh, you know, we've got really great listener engagement. It's really great to hear from you, those of you who write in and uh, tell us what you're happy with or what you're not happy with. Either way, love to hear that or the, all the reviews we get. Uh, but it's uh, we're looking forward to the coming year. Maybe at the end of the episode, we can share like some of the 10 or, or the five most listened to episodes, some of our thoughts yeah. for the coming year, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, certainly some suggestions of things that are, there are certainly, you know, we go back through the list and everybody has different interests and things that they, they get pulled to. And there are certain things that I'll share with students or other people on social media that I think are like, oh, this is a, this is a definitely don't miss this when listen to episode. Cause this, this, there were some, and we're going to talk about some of these in here that, um, 
for me, were kind of mind-blowing with our guests and the things that we mm -hmm. learned and the things that we got exposed to. So I look mm -hmm. forward to kind of tapping into um, suggestions for what we learned and what we got out of it as well. So, Well, and it just makes me think that if someone was tuning in right now to this episode as their first one, and maybe just for myself as well, it's worth repeating that what you and I are doing are talking to hands-on therapy practitioners, massage therapists, body workers, and allied professions of all sort, sorts. And we are combining fairly technical topics with fairly conceptual ones, mm -hmm. things that are right smack dab in the middle of our scope of practice, as well as things that are peripheral or ancillary or supportive on the outside. But I think it's fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Whitney, that we're following our interests. We're just, I mean, my wish list is like, oh boy, what do I want to know about now? Who yeah. do I want to talk to now? Mm -hmm. And what a great uh, forum it's been to be able to have those conversations or get exposed to these mind-blowing new ideas, like you said. Yeah. And I would also put a plug in there too in saying that you know we have not hesitated in a number of different circumstances to have people on here who disagree with us or yeah. have, you know, differing perspectives and things like that. And I think it's important to give voice to some of those and, and uh, you know, let people hear some differing uh, ideas and, and perspectives. And there's a good number of guests that come on that I don't agree with everything that they say, and you're probably true for you as well. And those uh -huh. things help us grow because for me, some of those guests have also changed my mind about things too, which has been really valuable. Yeah. Right. Good for you for changing your mind. I've been uh, dedicated to my state, uh, maintaining my fixed point of view in the face of any input at all and doing reasonably well with that. I'm kidding. Doing a stunning job of that, right. by the way. <laughs> I'm kidding. They yeah. all changed me. But, you know, even it makes me think my wish for the new year, maybe for the world, is even more disagreement that works. Mm hmm. You know, it's like we got to figure out how to disagree about all kinds of stuff and how to make room for each other Yeah, you know, for conversation. So that's, yeah. that's what we're trying to figure out here as well. Yeah. All right. So which episodes really stick out for you, Whitney? Yeah. So we were decided we would kind of like go through a list and maybe pull out our sort of top five or something like that. And these are for me in no particular order, but they were ones from this past year that uh, that, that stood out. And I'll, mm -hmm. I'll start off picking on this one because it's basically what we were just talking about. We did an episode back on uh, episode 63 called Turnabout is Fair Play, and this was about our perspective reversals. And mm -hmm. you and I talked a good bit about things that we've changed our mind about and things that we've changed our perspective on based on what's happened over time, what we've learned, what new research has come out, and some That's of the great. challenges that we face by, for example, putting things out there in uh, you know, media presentations, <laughs> books, videos, training programs, et cetera, and they have our name on them. And then, yeah. you know, we change our mind or change our perspective about things. And that's always a, that's always a challenge. And I do think it, um, there's a lot of people who have a bit more difficulty with changing those things when they've put stuff out there, especially if they've built a business around a certain model or a narrative or something like that. That that can, Community, can be challenging. Friendships, reputation, yeah. all those things are in there. Yeah. Absolutely. And and uh it's, you know, this is one of those things where change can be uncomfortable, but uh it is part of the growth process. And and uh I I certainly value that. And I, I really enjoyed getting to talk with you about what you have changed perspective on things that you've um, you know, looked at through different lenses. And I think I, I kind of got a sense that, that you and I are on the same page with a lot of those things in, in ways that we've changed uh, over time as well. Well, certainly our narratives around mechanisms, mm -hmm. it may be even, I'm just, I'm kind of going back and trying to pull out some of those high points, maybe even um, 
priorities or what, you know, the mechanisms is like the detailed part of what makes the effects that we're seeing. But then on the, for myself, in the big sense, it's like, what is even the most important thing to be uh, aiming for here? Yeah. That's shifted too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was some um, interesting insights about that. And I think one of the, if there's a theme that comes out of that, my um, wish would be uh, for everybody to be uh, open and embracing of change and be comfortable with that and, and try to find a way to to be more secure in saying, yeah, like um, I've changed. This is not what I used to be, or I don't necessarily think this any longer, but um, mm -hmm. those things can be, can certainly mm -hmm. be challenging for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and I sure. think, you know, too, uh, this is particularly difficult sometimes for many of the clinicians and practitioners who spend all day long in the treatment room and don't have the same amount of time to delve into looking at some of these things and, and being able to look at, you know, differing opinions and new perspectives and really compare, like, just because something came out in research doesn't mean it's correct or that it's good. There's a lot of poor no, stuff that also gets published right. and we have to be careful we, what we hitch our wagon to. Sometimes. That's for sure. We need to go to social media to find out what's true and right. <laughs> exactly. and correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. Facebook is my guru. Right? <laughs> well, it, it, that ends up being the default information channel for a lot of yeah. people too. We end up having the discussions within our social media bubbles, essentially. Yeah. And it is it is great to get have time to get beyond that and get some more influences. Yeah, great. So tell Shall me what's one? what's been uh, what's been on your notable list for things yeah, that really it's, rocked your world a little again, bit. Again, no particular podcast. order, but the yeah. one that ended up here at the top of my list was episode 66, which we called Beyond It Depends. And that was a conversation with Janet Penny, Rebecca Sturgeon, about their book on oncology massage. And we were joined by my wife, Loretta, who herself has been through several rounds of cancer treatment and has been my favorite uh, oncology client and learning laboratory. I've learned so much and having to adjust the ways I thought or the ways that I work when uh, working with her. So she was actually joined us on camera on the podcast. And we basically ran our ideas by her and thought, what would that be like? And she said, yeah, that would be good. Or I would like it more like that. Or I could see how that wouldn't work for me at all. Mm -hmm. So that was a remarkable conversation, partly, maybe mostly because of the personal uh, import, the you know, the, the way that's close to home for me. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that one. And I think, you know, that brought, that episode brought a really interesting perspective that we don't often hear a lot in, in mm -hmm. a lot of the discussions among professional circles, because we always talk about our patients and we always talk about what's happening with them, what's happening in the clinic, but we don't talk to them uh, in this particular format very often. So it was really great to hear personal uh, input and personal, you know, discussions from what she brought to that discussion. Yeah, that was, that's for sure. And, and uh, it, she brought that in in a great way. Mm -hmm. How about you? What's one, What was one of yours? Another one of yours, Whitney? Yeah, I think um, the next one, this would probably come pretty darn close to the top of my list of things that I felt have been really profound learning experiences for me through the podcast. And this was episode 69 that we did with Stuart McGill uh, called oh, Back yeah. Pain, Stiffness, and Fascia. Yeah, And uh, this one was a pretty, uh, pretty high up on the listener list too, I think. And uh, I could just sit and listen to him talk all day because there is so much rich content in there. And of course, you know, yeah. I recognize the bias that I have that, you know, I, I think along a lot of sort of the same kind of perspectives that he does in many, in many ways. 
looking at a lot of, you know, being fascinated with biomechanics and kinesiology uh -huh. and things like that. And he's uh -huh. just so uh, his experience and depth with which he's looked into these concepts is just so deep over the many years. And I think he just shared some, some fascinating insights. And I, I think you and I both did. I think we talked about this a little bit, but I know uh -huh. I, I listened to probably 15 podcast interviews that he had done with other people before we right. did this episode. So learned a whole lot from, from those That's things right. from him as well. Um, yeah. And then, you know, got a lot of other good things that, that, that I've delved into since that time from his books and other resources. So that one was really, um, that one was very impactful for me on that one. It, it, for me as well. He's a giant in, in the field of rehab and back pain. And so to get, and, and a storyteller and tons of experience. And I, um, uh, ended up sitting at his table at the Fashion Research Congress in Montreal for the dinner cruise where we were on the boat for a few hours mm -hmm. and got to hear even more of his his personal story and uh, his stories about his practice and what a yeah what a resource and what a character so it was a great episode as well yeah and i do recall from the from the Fashion Research Congress he got a standing ovation with his presentation because i think he really connected with people in terms of looking at you know, how does all this stuff that we're learning about really play out clinically in some interesting ways too? And yes. I think uh, a lot of people really liked that, that yep. connection. Yeah. So what's next on oh, your list? Uh, it's again, just kind of reaching in the box and pulling one out. It was outside the box. It was episode 58, which we called outside the box. With my conversation with Judith Aston. Judith was one of Ida Rolf's early, uh, trainees. And she was one of the first female or women trainees that uh, Ida allowed to do her work. Ida herself was a woman, but was really reluctant to train other women to do her work until Judith very persuasively argued that she would be capable. And she told us that story as a part of our inquiry into women teachers in our field. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we spent some time really thinking it through an advance, we got some feedback and we crafted the question, do you feel that being a woman has ever held you back? And I asked her that and she didn't like the question. Mm -hmm. And I really, you know, opened my eyes to the bias that was implicit in that question. And uh, her answer was, well, I've never really considered that way. And I you know, considered it that, that I was held back because of being a woman, or I don't really think in terms of the male and female factor, which, which then some listeners didn't like her answer because it sounded to them like perhaps she was denying that there was a difference. But her personal story was very compelling, uh, partly because she has been such a mentor of mine and because she was speaking from an era when a lot of the foundations for certainly the structural integration lineage were being laid. And yet her process through that as a person, as well as being as a woman, was really instructive and inspirational. Yeah. And she had lots of great uh, stories in there as well. Yeah. It's it's so wonderful to uh, you know have the opportunity to listen to some of these people who have such a re rich history of seeing things that have evolved and changed over the decades and and been a part of those things on on a on an early stage too. So it was a uh, I really enjoyed you know listening to her talk about those early days and how things you know came about and how she really pushed the envelope to 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 do something yeah. in terms of what she wanted to learn from Ida Rolf as well as what she did with it. You know, and she took it and also did some really innovative things with her work throughout the decades as well. I, maybe she saw, I was 
I think this is probably fair. She saw herself pushing the boundaries of, say, academia or professional decorum or uh, credentialing. That's probably she identified that as a bigger barrier that she was up against mm -hmm. than, say, sex or gender per se. Yeah, so that was also great to hear because it's relevant to this relevant yeah. today. Yes, yeah. indeed. Okay, what do you how about you? Well, I'll you know sort of continue on that same theme a little bit. You know, we had um, initially you'd had the uh, interview with Judith as a part of this sort of group of interviews that we were going to do. Um, mm -hmm. This ended up being episode sixty-five: Women Leaders in Massage Therapy, um, and we did three other interviews with uh, C.G. Funk, and then you did one with Ruth Werner, and and mm -hmm. I talked with Irene Diamond, and. Um, for me, when I think about notable uh, episodes for us, this one was notable on a number of fronts. And number mm -hmm. one, like you said, we got quite a bit of listener feedback about some of the things that we, um, you know, did in terms of the way some of our questions were framed there, and also some of the things that came out of these uh, interviews as well. And so for me, this is one of those ones that I learned a lot um, out of um, in terms of looking at some of my own implicit bias and perspectives about, you know, how we were the lens through which, you know, I as a man in this profession, look at some of these things. And I, I learned a lot from our interviewees and talking with them about their experiences as well, too. So this was a really good, um, a good learning one for me. And, you know, one which I, you know, I think you and I kind of talked about this, like, do we go back and just like do this thing all over again? Because I yeah. think we, we said, you know, we could do a better job after it was all over by the things that we learned from those discussions and from some of the feedback and input that right. we got from people. But, uh, right. you know, sometimes you you put out there the the product that you built and you learn from that, even if it's not the the perfect solution or the perfect answer thing sometimes. So Yeah. And that's the nature of bias. We need to hang it. We need to hang it out and we need to discuss it and we need to be called on it and then look at it. And, uh, you know, that's how we learn. But I'm with you again. It was, it was uh, again the question of is that question has being a woman held you back? Does that assume that being the woman is the problem, mm -hmm. not the system per se? Yeah, which is a really good point. And is it trying to address a systemic issue on an individual level? Lots of really great ways to deconstruct that or think about the larger picture and that the and then the place we're coming from when we formulated that question as well. Yeah, but yeah, the conversations were fantastic with all four of those women who agreed to join us and delve yeah. into that. And I just want to put a plug out to the readers. The conversations were great too with the feedback that we got about that because mm -hmm. we were able to um, you know, really delve into some of these things with some of the the people who wrote back into us about this in, in ways that, uh, you know, for me personally helped me kind of look at this through different lenses and and see some things, um, like we said, in, in ways that we might want to craft better questions, better um, inquiries into some of these things and, and look at these through a different perspective. So um it was a good learning one for me. Great. Yeah. My, What's next, my next for you? One, yeah. Uh, it was my conversation with Jan Sultan. Jan Sultan was also one of Ida Rolf's early trainees. He was one of her first teachers, and he is still teaching at the Rolf Institute. And so we got some of his stories, which were great for me because we, I was in his footsteps maybe 15, 20 years behind what he was doing. So we did some of the same things, went to some of the same places. But then we really delved into the question of aging and aging gracefully. He had recently had uh, COVID and was still in recovery. And it was quite a long protracted recovery for him. So we talked about, he shared a bunch of the, the uh, you know, the process of that, but then his particular practices and tips as well. 
Yeah. So it was a long conversation because we just kept going and going, but it was, there was a lot to say. Yeah. You know, I loved this days. episode. And I have to say yeah. to you that this is one of those things where I felt like I was able to be a fly on the wall, listening to two friends talk really deeply about their shared experiences through life. And that was really, <laughs> yeah. um, that was really fascinating nice. and interesting perspective on there. I loved hearing that discussion with him. And, um, you know, this is, I have this, you know, kind of crazy memory thing that I sometimes will remember strange, odd facts and things. And I have to remember there's uh, an article. I even remember the title of it, one of the very first articles that I saw in Massage Magazine, maybe. Was it one um, of his? In and Around the Shoulder Girdle. Yes, Jan Sultan absolutely. From, and this was, and I read this like, wow, this guy's really interesting, you know. And so, and that was yeah. all the way back in uh, 1987-ish, probably, probably was. something like that. So He was, yeah, he was writing some of the first stuff we had in print. It was an oral tradition to that point. Yeah. And there was a, quite a bit of cultural taboo around writing it down because it, we, there was a history of secrecy and keeping the the knowledge just for ourselves. Yeah. And he really did push up against that taboo with those articles and then with his later teaching too. And I, I was really fortunate to have had him as a close mentor and now friend. Yeah. And I think that that just further illustrates again too some things you and I have talked about this in different situations and different contexts over time, how valuable it is and just, you know, rich and lucky we are to have been in the places that we were at the times that we were there mm -hmm. to meet with certain people and have them, you know, be very influential for us. And that's it's a really lucky phenomenon that really helps you grow and and push your own ideas and boundaries in different ways. And and certainly I could see see and hear that in the discussion with the two of you, um, how much you had really shared some of that journey over the years as well. So that was a great one. <laughs> well, and then I'm just remembering that uh, Rebecca, my uh, customer service manager, said she had that episode on in the car and her partner, who was not a body worker, not in this field at all, got really fascinated, really interested. And he says, wow, are all the guests this interesting? I want to sign up for this podcast. <laughs> not, even a body, not even a body worker. She did say. say yes, didn't she? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. What you got? What's next on your list? Let's see. Next on my list, um, I you know pulled up this episode 70 that was with Jules Mitchell, the yeah. uh, yoga practitioner extraordinaire. And uh, this was uh, episode 70, Stretching, Would Everyone Just Relax, was the title of this. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, sometimes you read a book or see something or whatever, and it just really clicks with you. And um, I got an early copy of uh, Jules's book, Yoga Biomechanics. And I just mm -hmm. was, I was one of those things like, I hate to say this about a textbook, but I couldn't put it down. You know, it was really fascinating because there was all this stuff in there that was just yes. going against many of the things that I thought and I knew about stretching and thought I understood about right. stretching. And well, it was a her, wonderful uh, kind of uh, illustration of a lot of the current uh, research um, around stretching yeah, issues. That's right. She did her master's in science around the question of tissue change mm -hmm. after having been a yoga teacher for a long time. So she really applied some basic concepts from material science to tissue and to have it broken down in that way also was super helpful and exciting for me as well to yeah. have her listen to. Yeah. And that's a, it's another great example, too, of, of crossing boundaries uh, across fields and professions. I mean, Jules does have a background in, in massage therapy. She had been trained yeah, uh, in right. this as well. Yeah. But her primary focus right now is as, as a yoga teacher. And um, 
there's just a, a lot of crossover in a lot of the concepts and ideas with things that we do with movement activities with practitioners and things that uh, fall right into that same wheelhouse uh, very much. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a natural fit for a lot of things that we were doing. Yep. Next, yeah, and, next on my list, ready for that? Yes, let's have it. It was episode 73, a uh, conversation with Ruth Werner. And by the, I see that Ruth made it onto both of our lists. We had two conversations yeah. with Ruth last year, and they both made it um, in a, you know, both of our lists. This one, 73, was about long-term Lyme, Lyme disease. She had just published, and I thought, a really great article on that topic in Massage and Body Work. And that, that's a subject that's close to my heart because I suffered with long-term Lyme for about three years and couldn't work and things yeah. like that. But also it's topical because it has a lot of implications to people dealing with long COVID. Mm -hmm. A lot of the same, yeah. probably perhaps some of the same uh, mechanisms or immunological patterns around that, but also the cultural or societal place that people end up when they have a... a, a um, a disease or a medical condition or a disability it can become for many of us that isn't easy to define and isn't easy to address and isn't easy to make better. Yeah. No matter the best of our efforts continues to bother us. And so the conversation was great in that sense about the condition itself, but even better for me was about how do we help as practitioners, as hands-on practitioners, what do we do? What can we do? How do we approach those of our clients that we might have who are dealing with those kinds of issues in a helpful way. Yeah. And nothing helps. What can we do that might actually help? I think so often that's, that's kind of what you and I are aiming at with a lot of our discussions here is to, to frame some of these um, interesting topics and wow, this is really fascinating stuff, but also kind of bring it back around to how does this impact those people who are in the clinic day after day, you know, hour after hour working with people and how can we help them take what we're sharing here to do something that that is is relevant for making helping make people better yeah. yeah that that is our that is where we bring it back to and it's mm -hmm. it's uh, helpful i mean partly it's because we have such a practical uh bent in our culture yeah we want to know what to do we're hands-on people we want to do something we want to know what that is what does that translate into what i can do with my hands yeah so that's where we're trying to bring most of these discussions and it's a great practice because i can certainly rabbit hole out on some of these concepts just for their own sake. So that yeah. the end is what can we do about it? And she had some great ideas. We came up with some together. They're really mm -hmm. useful. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Next on my list uh, was, this was episode 62, Educational Innovations. This is an interview that I did with Ann Williams and Eric Brown. And I put this on my list simply because I got to geek out on a topic that I don't get to talk about that much. And that is, you know, instructional design and educational theory and learning theory and things like that. Um, there aren't as many people, I think, in our field who are, you know, passionately obsessed with this kind of stuff in the way that I am. And, and yes. Eric and, and Anne in particular yeah. uh, really delve into that sort of thing. And so uh, I really enjoyed getting to take a deep dive on some of those concepts and talk about you know, this is really important to me, not only just, you know, how do we as as educators give information out to people, but how do we do it in a really effective way that makes lasting change for people? And uh, we're, we're looking at, we're learning, we're actually learning a lot in the mm. fields of cognitive psychology and learning science about how people mm -hmm. learn and the best ways to share content and to share information. And, you know, a lot of the ways that we've been doing this for a long time just 
really aren't the best ways to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I'm both uh, excited and, and, you know, also somewhat intimidated too about how some of these educational changes may play out in, in the future. Like how do we make some of these big, big changes in, in terms of presenting things and, and yeah, doing stuff example. the way people learn. What's one of the big changes that is exciting or, or nerve wracking? What's, what's well, you know, personally for me, you know, I've been a, a big fan of, of this idea of mastery learning, for example, yeah. the idea yeah. that we measure learning by outcomes and people mastering a certain determined uh, either a set of competencies or something like that and getting off the clock where we're measuring learning time, either in entry-level mm -hmm. education or in continuing education by hours because mm -hmm. time is not a measure. Time mm -hmm. is not a good measure. Uh, it's convenient and easy, but right. it's not a good measure of, of learning. And uh, so this, you know, it's one of those things that I think um, if we can change the mindset around how we look at some of those concepts and ideas, it, it's very hard to change the in, the in, the structure of those yeah, systems sure. where the licensure and the renewals of certifications and all that kind of stuff is all wrapped around time and hours. But yeah, uh, um, that's right. it's both exciting and also mind-numbingly difficult because if it was easy, well, we'd have done it a long time ago. Yeah, and yeah, it's. I'm just thinking of the little challenges I have in my microcosm of our our second level of our training is basically uh, uh, merit based. You could say you advance when you have a certain level of mastery, not yeah. when you've put in a certain number of clock hours. Yeah, and that is that's really I really stand behind it and love it, and it's not easy because people want to know how yeah. many of these boxes have to check off and exactly put it on their calendar and have that done, which yeah. I really understand, appreciate, but at some, some point in our development of mastery, that isn't the way to do it. Yeah. And I really appreciate you pushing the edge there. Yeah. You know, this, a lot of this started for me a number of years ago when I had, was reading this um, uh, article about um, the department of education, looking at, you know, this whole issue of hours and there was yeah. a, a piece that uh, had mentioned the fact that the Carnegie Credit Hour, which is the foundational measuring unit in colleges for you know when you get enough credits to get a degree, et cetera, yes. that whole Carnegie Credit Unit was never designed to design to determine what was appropriate for a level of education. It was actually designed to uh, organize pension plans for the faculty members. Huh. And so Interesting. it just by default became a way to measure, well, how much <laughs> learning does a person need to get a bachelor's degree? And then it was about how much time had the teachers put in. How much exactly. Learned, right? Yeah. How yeah. Much, so uh, yeah, um, right. how, much, how many dues have they paid, not how much the students have learned. Yeah. So and there's a whole big world that's changing around this whole issue of micro credentials and, and uh -huh. things that are not full degree programs, but really targeted kind of training programs. And to me, it's yeah. very, very exciting to see where that's going, but also it's it's a big challenge. It's a to big see challenge. It. Yeah. Well, Ann Williams, those, those are two powerhouse guests. I mean, Ann Williams, for people who don't know, has been an enormous force in our field from behind the scenes. She was the education director at ABMP for many, many years. Eric Brown being the one of the founders and the people that run the World Massage conference, which was an early player in the online space and had a big impact in bringing people together. And it's still behind the scenes in a number of organizations making big effects. So it's great that you got them behind the mic yeah. and get them out front in a way and talk about these things with them too. Yeah. Yeah. So another good learning one for me as well. So, 
What else is on your list there? Well, to wrap up my top five, it's, you know, last but not least, this most recent one was uh, What Might We Learn From Sex with Betty Miller. This was an edgy one for me because there's so, such, uh, you know, there's so much feeling around the idea of sex in massage and body work, how there's been so much work done to try to distinguish what we do from sexual expectations or sex work. And yet here's Betty who bridges those worlds. She started out as a chiropractor and then went on to, to work with uh, the world of sex therapy, sex education, and a lot of that is being taken up by people in sex work to really understand the dynamics between the giver and the receiver from the toucher and the touched. And she's done, she's come up with this model, the wheel of consent model that really lays it out and has some relevance, I think, back to our field. So it was edgy in that I wanted to talk to her and I wanted to be super mindful of the important distinction between what we do and, you know, and what sex is. So she gave some really great insights too into that distinction. I mean, we all know what the difference is, but she gave a, a great language to that. And then also just her ability to talk to that question of why don't clients uh, feel free to ask for what they want or to direct what they want? Why maybe do we as body workers not always feel free to offer or suggest those kind of implicit barriers to expressing what is important to us. She has, again, some great tools for that, but also some models that help understand why that might be happening. Yeah, I thought this was a fascinating episode. And I had this kind of metaphor that came to mind about this episode, which is like, there's this hot stove and you yes. set your finger very close to the burner and then you pull it away like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not touching that thing. And I think yeah. that kind of thing uh, uh, is frequent around these uh, topics. And it was really interesting to hear you all acknowledge the discomfort and the sort of edginess around having some of those discussions, but also delve into it um, really deeply and come up with some interesting insights about that. So uh, I applaud you and acknowledge the the difficulties and challenges in in doing something like that. And that was a a lot to learn. I think some some really good things that that pushed envelopes for my way of Thank thinking you. in that episode. Oh, as that's well. cool. Eddie. thanks for saying that. Yeah, we've yeah. been I've been getting some good personal notes back for that as well. Yeah. So it's been. Yeah, I really appreciate the time Betty took to talk with me about that, and then again to just uh, see what we can learn because there's so much knowledge and wisdom there that exists outside of our field as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you've got some other um, some other stats, things, things that we're going to kind of run through here about our our last well, year as well. What else we got? That's right. Those are the ones you and I flagged as mm -hmm. the most noteworthy. Say, but the listeners voted too, and the, there's really clear on the you know on the podcast on our stats page where what people are listening to. Mm -hmm. There's pretty high listenership all the way across. But uh, episode 53, which was with Dr. Antonio Stecco, was our most listened to episode in season three. Mm -hmm. Number The next one in the list was number 69, Back Pain, Stiffness, and Fascia with Stuart McGill, the, the, who you mentioned in your top five as well. Number three was a conversation you and I had, Whitney, about working with rib issues. That was number mm -hmm. 50, episode 56. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 71 took fourth place, and that was with... Uh, the eminent Helene Langevin, who talked about fascia and pain and the limits of our knowledge. She, again, is a giant in this field. Yeah. And the fifth place, uh, you know, out of these 30-something episodes most listened to by the listeners was the conversation with Jan Sultan, episode 67, where we talked about aging gracefully, breathing well, and long COVID. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, interesting to kind of see what listeners are listening to. And and again, you know, we really appreciate hearing from you as well in, in terms of seeing that because this does help us kind of shape what we think we want to zero in on with some of the topics that are laid out and planned for the upcoming year as well. So um, mm-hmm. I'm glad we're able to sort of track and look at some of those things and see where, where people's different interests lie. Well, people are voting with their listens, but they're also voting with their comments. Mm-hmm. We do hear from you. Yeah. So which which episodes got comments, do you think, Whitney? Which ones stick out in your mind about that? I kind of think the one that got the most, I didn't actually count this up, but I'm kind of like trying to go through my mind to remember. I believe the episode that got the most comments was uh, a recent one that I did with Sandy Fritz. Um, there was a, yeah. yeah. And I, um, I don't have the title right off the top of my the head. The Future of the Profession. That's right. Yeah. We talked about some some fascinating things on there, but there were some some comments that really kind of uh, stuck a needle with a few people that um, around compensation levels for massage therapists. And I think there are some there's definitely some different perspectives and opinions out there, and and I agree with uh, a lot of our listeners that that some of those things I'm not maybe in as much agreement with the perspectives that Sandy had presented about compensation levels for for practitioners, but again we like to have some of these divergent viewpoints from people. And is and, it uh, fair to say that she, she was making the case that maybe we're sometimes overcompensated. Is that what she was saying? It could, I'm going to want to put, you know, no, I put words, words in her mouth, in her mouth or to, something like that. But I think the perspective is the maybe people are expecting more than they, you know, than is realistic in terms of what the market might bear in certain circumstances. And again, there's yes, so sir. many variables about this because yeah. you can't talk about, for example, the compensation levels of a massage practitioner in rural Nebraska and compare that to somebody who lives in Manhattan because the cost of living is very different and mm-hmm. what's available is very different and how those things are reimbursed or, or you know, what different... You know, the cost of what's appropriate for massage is often about what people value it. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people who value Mm -hmm. practitioners at $150 an hour or whatever they happen to charge, because to them, that's worth what they get out of it. So Mm -hmm. it's a sticky subject, I think, to really kind of nail down. And I don't think it's one of those things that has an easy answer. Well, maybe I'm just based on the comments, maybe we're more ready to talk about sex than we are about money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got more heat around once people start questioning the compensation yeah. that we did around the sexual yeah. dynamics there. So, so that's uh, great. Now that yeah. was that was a really interesting conversation, but also the the reaction was quite pronounced and clear to yeah. some of her ideas there. Yeah. So uh, anything else stuck stick in your mind in terms of significant amounts of feedback? I think we mentioned earlier that we did get a good bit yeah. of feedback on the issue that we did the with the interviews issues. with the women. And that was That's right. great feedback that we got on, on that one as well. No, they're, just, uh, they're, they're coming in about almost every episode. We get people, uh, you know, either questioning or complimenting what they hear. But I think those are the ones that really were the big blips on the graph there. Yeah. Well, any others that you want to just flag as honorable mention didn't make our final list? Well, you know, I just like look through this list and, um, you know, there's, um, I I don't see something that, that maybe hits me sticking out more so than, than others. Uh, I I enjoyed all of these conversations and all these things that I got to listen to from, from other things that you did as well. So, um, yeah. yeah. Now it's like, which children are their favorite? They're all, they were all right. Yeah. (laughs) They were all good. But no, we did. It was a great season and we had some great conversations and I'm really, it gives me, it gets me fired up about the coming year. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you say that 
we can look forward to in terms of you, what, how you picture what you're thinking about? Yeah, I would, you know, we have a list, you know, still of people that we want to talk to. And, and I yeah. want to continue to have some more um, interviews with people that are both recognized leaders in our field and maybe some of those unsung heroes that are out there that people don't um, immediately think of in the massage world. You know, for example, like you know, when we did the interview with Jules Mitchell, she's not somebody who pops up on the radar screen in the massage world a lot. She does in her own yoga world, but now it's becoming more, you know, sort of recognized. And so uh, I think some of those kinds of things where uh -huh. we bring in people that are, you know, really uh, having a lot to offer uh, what we do from from outside, it's it's a way we can introduce people to to some of these things as well. Yeah, that's right. No, I heard that about Stuart McGill too. Who? Yeah. I again, I thought everybody knew Stuart McGill, but no, the quick quite a number of comments like, oh, I didn't realize he was so influential. So yeah, the people outside the massage or body work or structural integration field that have had a big influence on the way we think and what we do. I'm yeah. looking forward to that as well. And there, yeah, I, I don't think we we should name any of these guests just to, in case they don't come through. <laughs> but I think, we, yeah, the uh, the list we have and the, you know, the, the ones that I'm considering as well, I'm quite excited about. And they are people right smack in our scope of practice, but also in ancillary professions or, or schools of thought that really got me thinking, get me thinking in new ways, yeah. including things like some of the topics I'm interested in exploring in the coming year for myself are, is the puzzle of hypermobility mm -hmm. since we started that conversation with Tina Wang recently, but it's, it's part of a bigger inquiry I'm on about the fact that we're really good at mobilizing what happens when mobility seems to be the problem or how yeah. can we be helpful when mobility itself seems to be the issue. And there are some really clear ways, but we're, we're really getting better at that as well. Mm -hmm. But I, that's more, that's a, you know, something that I want to dive into more on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of times, uh, again, just to put a plug out to the listeners, you know, you and yeah. I sometimes come up with great topic ideas because somebody suggests something and Absolutely. says like, hey, would you, what do you think about getting into this? And this sometimes gives us, gives us other uh, really good ideas. So keep, we got a couple keep of it those, flowing. Yeah. Including trauma-informed approaches. There's so much to know about that that is universal, isn't specific just to say PTSD, mm -hmm. but our knowledge about that field has increased so much in the last decade, two decades. Yeah. And there's people doing remarkable work in body work giving that you know with that perspective that i hope we get a chance to give that some voice in the coming year yeah so i know i'm forgetting right. a bunch i got a, quite a list so but without they will be revealed in their own time these different exciting ideas yeah indeed okay so you're, stay you're tuned getting, stay tuned and then right. in a year uh i heard you say uh, well, i saw you say on uh, social media recently that you're you're out of retirement? Did you say that? You're coming back? Uh, well, not out of retirement, but <laughs> I am getting oh. back on the road. You know, I have been okay. um, sort of off the road since uh, a few months before the COVID thing hit. Um, I did do, I think, one training program last year. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm getting back out on the road and start doing some teaching again this this year in, in person, which I'm excited about and, yeah, you know, really exciting. ready to get, get back in the personal face-to-face -face things uh, with people. Um, so looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, you're on the road quite a bit uh, in and out of the country a good number of times this year as well. Oh. It's about a fourth of the schedule I had pre-COVID. Yeah. But the, the places I'm going, I'm really excited about mm -hmm. doing some time in Taiwan, Taiwan. Uh, uh, Thailand, Norway, as well as in this country in uh, Portland, Oregon, and we're doing trainings in the East Coast in Philadelphia, Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, a number of other locations are being developed, so I'm 
looking forward to staying connected to people face to face. It's such a satisfying thing to do. Yeah. And that just like, I I asked you about this personally one time, and I think maybe we'll have some way to weave that into some of our other discussions, you know, just, I think it would be fascinating for people to know, you know, how you do some of these programs in countries that aren't native English speakers (laughs) um, and what that's like from a, from a learning and educational perspective. So uh, maybe we'll delve into that as well. Sure. Sure, sure. No, it's, it's we're speaking a universal language, but no, there are differences. Mm-hmm. The universal language of touch, but uh, there are certainly it's fun. It's really fun. It's one of the things I love the most is looking at what happens across cultures, yeah, and how the things get get translated or don't. Right, right. So, uh, all right, excellent. Well, is that? Uh, I think that's kind of a a wrap up on our wrap for this. That's a this wrap. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we've given you the listeners some clues or breadcrumbs that you want to go back and follow and feel free to do that on either our our pages just go by episode number or search for those uh, topics we mentioned they're worth a listen and yeah stay tuned for the coming year for some of these cool ideas we have and i'll go ahead and do our thank you to our closing sponsor who is handspring publishing and when i was looking for a publisher to uh for a book that i wanted to write i was a new editor i'm sorry rather new author trying out a bunch of different publishers. I ended up with two offers, one from a large, huge company, uh, who we shall not name, and the other from Handspring, which at that time was a small publisher in Scotland run by just four people who have a love of great books and a love of our field. And I'm still glad I chose to go with Handspring, the smaller of the different offers I had, because not only did they help me make the books I wanted to share, which are the Advanced Manifesto Technique series, now in their third or greater printing, but their catalog has emerged as one of the leading collections of professional level books written, especially for body workers, movement teachers, and all professionals who use movement or touch to help patients achieve wellness. And Handspring has joined with Jessica Kingsley Publishers, Integrative Health Singing Dragon Imprint. So head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check out their list of titles and be sure to use the code TTP that's like the thinking practitioner at checkout for discount. And thanks once again, Handspring. We do say a thank you to all of our sponsors and also, of course, to you, the listeners. We appreciate you hanging out with us here. You can stop by our sites for show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that over on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com. And Till, where can people find that for you? My site, advanced-trainings.com. As we keep saying, write to us, email us. If there's questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. Info at The Thinking Practitioner or on social media under our names. Till Luca, yours. And today, my name is Whitney Lowe. You can find us over there. And you can rate us on Apple Podcasts as it does help other people find the show. Uh, Also, rate us on some of your other favorite podcast apps. You can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you happen to listen. And please do share the word and tell a friend. And thanks once again for listening. Everyone have a great holiday season. And we'll look forward to seeing you again and talking some more in 2023. Can't wait. Thanks a lot, Whitney. See you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you.